All right. So, uh, we are in a series right now. This is the fourth week of our series called Extraordinary. Extraordinary is a look at the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5 through 7. And in the Sermon on the Mount, what we find is we find Jesus painting a picture of what a life of discipleship looks like. And it is an extraordinary life filled with extraordinary character. And when I looked up the definition of that word extraordinary, one of the definitions that I really liked is very unusual. This Christian life that we are called into, this Christian life that Jesus paints a picture of in Matthew 5 through 7 is very unusual. It's very different than what the world would expect. It's it's a topsy-turvy, upside-down kind of world that God is creating in his kingdom and in his people. And so I want us to take a look at that this morning. We're in the Beatitudes right now. Uh, We're going to look at just one of them, but I want to read all of them because I think there is a, a picture that gets painted really beautifully when you look at them as a whole. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's one of those ones that really stands out as like the opposite of what the world would expect, right? When you look at the world right now and all that's going on, it might be kind of hard to embrace the truth that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But that's what Jesus is telling us is true. And the guy who created it all probably knows better than we do. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Our beatitude for today is Matthew 5, chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. So let's look at that one right now together. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That one maybe, not, maybe doesn't seem quite as controversial as some of the other ones, but I'm here to tell you that even that beatitude is not the way the world operates. It's not even the way most religions operate. I think if the world was to write this beatitude, they would take out a few words and change them around a little bit, and it would look more like this. Satisfied are those who hunger and thirst after blessings. That's how most of the world operates, right? Like, I want something and so I chase after it. This thing is desirable to me and so I go for it. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The world tells you that'll get you where you need to go. But if you chase after happiness, you'll never be filled The world is lying to you. But the church even sometimes lies, or religion lies, because religion would write this beatitude this way. Blessed are those who are righteous. If you can just be good enough, 
God will bless you. If you can just follow enough rules, you'll find blessing in this life. You'll be happy. You'll be filled. That's what religion tells you. That's the attitude of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders in Jesus' day that he was fighting against. That is the truth of religion, but it is not the truth that Jesus wants us to see today. It's not the extraordinary character that he's asking us to chase after. Because the beatitude actually says this. No, that's the old one. Oh, there we go. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The character trait for today, the one that Jesus wants us to chase after, is hungering and thirsting. Which is awesome because I get hungry at least three times a day, sometimes seven times a day. So this one's easy for me. (laughs) The problem is, even though I get physically hungry and thirsty, even though I get really excited about certain things and want to chase after things, even though I get passionate about stuff, it's often empty calories. Because Jesus isn't just saying hunger and thirst after any old thing. He's saying hunger and thirst for something very specific. And so what we need to do today, if we want to embrace this beatitude, is we've got to figure out what is the thing that we need to be hungering after? What is the thing that we need to be chasing? What is the thing that gets us up in the morning? It's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Which righteousness is like a really churchy word. You've probably heard it a lot, but it's probably a word that you almost never use in polite conversation. And it's probably a word that you've never really thought about like, what does this mean? Because we have to understand what it is that we're hungering and thirsting for, right? To be able to do it. So what is righteousness? I've picked four things to say righteousness is today. I thought about doing 27 things, but we only have an hour during this space. So we're just going to look at four. And if we're doing these four, we're chasing after these four, we're doing pretty good. And so here they are. Right thinking, right living, right relationships, and social justice. Which that one might make some of you cringe. Social justice. You might say, oh, he's woke or he's liberal or, of course, the outreach pastor would say that. But what I want to say to you this morning is, what I want to challenge you with this morning is, this idea of setting the oppressed free is all throughout Scripture. It's a part of the heart of God. And so just because the world has claimed some word or phrase doesn't mean that we as the church can't say, no, that's ours, we're taking it back. And so part of what we're called to is to hunger and thirst for social justice. Hunger and thirst for the oppressed to be set free because it's God's heart. And so I think as we march through these four this morning, that'll make a little more sense to you why it is a deep, deep biblical truth. But before we jump into each of the four, I do want to say this. We need to be real certain when we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness that we're hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness. Because I think there's a righteousness of the world that's actually the opposite of God's righteousness. The righteousness of the world says everybody else needs to think right 
everybody else needs to live right, everybody else needs to treat me right, and I deserve justice. That's how the world defines righteousness. But biblical righteousness, God's righteousness, this righteousness that we're hungering and thirsting for this morning is the opposite of that. It's, I'm going to work on my stuff. I'm going to get my thinking right. I'm going to get my living right. I'm going to make sure that my relationships are right. And I want justice for everybody else. And so I'm not going to go out there and write a bunch of laws or make a bunch of rules for other people. I'm going to sit down with God and I'm going to get to work on myself so that when I go out there and work for God, I'm setting the oppressed free. So I want us to look at each of these four things. I picked a verse out for each of the four of them because I want you to know I'm not just out on a limb here. This stuff is seen in Scripture. Once again, could have picked a lot of verses, but we don't have all morning. So we're just going to look at one. But you can get on Google later, crack your Bible later, and find some more if you want. So the first verse I want us to look at with right thinking is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Sin and the world has twisted our minds, has twisted the way we think about things. Has even made us think things like social justice are actually maybe an evil and an ill. Our minds have been polluted, have been twisted. And we have to come to the realization that that's true and say, okay, God, I want to bathe my thoughts in the things of you. God, I want to see my mind renewed and lined up with you. God, I want to have right thinking. I want to think the thoughts that Jesus would have thought. And we do that by coming together like this on Sunday mornings and worshiping and studying and discussing the things of God together. We do that by cracking our Bible on a Monday morning, first thing in the day, and saying, God, what do you have for me today? We do that by listening to worship music during the week and singing and celebrating. We do that by being a part of a life group and getting together and discussing life in light of God's word and God's truth. We do that, people of God, by doing the things of God. We begin to see our minds transformed as we pray and as we study and meditate and discuss upon God and his things. And so, God, I don't want the world's thoughts. I want your thoughts. Right thinking leads to right living. We see in Galatians 5.16, Scripture says this, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I chose this verse to talk about right living because it would be really easy to slip into religion's beatitude at this point and say, well, if I just live better, if I just try harder, if I follow five more biblical rules this week, God will be happy with me. That's not right living. Checking all the boxes still doesn't get you there because this is a thing of God that we see here in this beatitude. It's not a work of man. Our work is to hunger and thirst and God does all the rest. 
And so right living is actually, it's lining your life up with the movement of the Spirit. It's seeing where God is going and following in his footsteps. Imagine a field, and it's just had a foot of snow. And I know that sounds awful. We're in, we're in the midst of summer, South Dakotans, to think about snow. But imagine a huge snowstorm. And you need to get across this freshly snowed on field. And somebody has gone before you and made a path. Are you going to walk your own way and trudge through the snow? Or are you going to take the path that's already been laid out? That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. It's to see where God has gone and to follow in his footsteps And it's not more work, it's actually less work whenever we follow his path. And so right thinking, I bathe myself in scripture, I'm renewing my mind through prayer and meditation on Jesus. Right living, I'm lining my life up with the spirit and going where he wants me to go so that I can have right relationships. When Jesus was asked, by the Pharisees and the scribes, they said, if you were to sum up this whole big old book, how would you do it? What's, what's the one sentence mission statement of all of scripture? This is what Jesus told them in Mark chapter 12. The first is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so when I've lined up, when I've renewed my mind and my thoughts are the thoughts of God, when I've lined up my life with Christ, when I'm loving God really well with everything that I am, I'm able to love my neighbor as myself, to love the other, and that leads me to want justice for them when they're hurting. Justice was a big deal for Jesus. Uh, If you don't believe me, see this in Matthew 23. Jesus is getting in a fight with the Pharisees. He's he's ripping into them. It's a bunch of woe statements. Woe to you, Pharisees. And he says this one. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He's saying, religious leaders, you're really good at doing all the religious stuff. You can check all those boxes, but when it comes to the deep relational work, when it comes to the weighty matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, you're failing because they had forgotten right relationships is important to God. It's not right rules. And so that's what I want to say to you this morning. When we hear the word righteousness, it's saying, where are my thoughts Where are my actions? Where am I going? How am I caring for people? How am I loving God? How am I relating to him? And how does all of that overflow into me fighting for justice for the other? We have a ministry in Pettigrew Heights. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, We have a campus there. We have a campus pastor, Bill, and, and his staff that's doing really great work down there in Pettigrew Heights. And for the last three years, I've been working in and enjoying the people in Pettigrew Heights, getting to know them better. Some of you may have never been to that neighborhood and they might seem a little scary, but as I've gotten to know these people, um, there are struggles in that neighborhood. There are 
wicked things that happen in that neighborhood, but there are good people just trying to live their lives and they're being ground down. And I've seen that more and more and more over the last three years. And so we begin to say as a church a while back, okay, what can we do to try to help? How can we bring justice to Pettigrew Heights? Because we love these people. God deeply loves these people. And so one of the things that we see is that there's not adequate housing in Pettigrew Heights. There's not affordable housing, well, anywhere really, right? Right now in this economy. And so we said, okay, well, let's find a housing ministry. And we did. We found one called Renewal 58. We have seven houses with 21 units. We bought the worst houses we can find in Pettigrew Heights, and we fix them up, and we rent them at below market rate. And those people that are renting those houses, they have dignity now. They have affordable housing. And beyond that, we've hooked them up with mentors. We provide classes for them where they can learn and grow and be developed hopefully out of poverty in this situation. We saw a need. We saw people suffering. And we said, God, how can we fix it? Another thing we saw in Pettigrew Heights is a lack of safe and affordable childcare. And so we've got parents, we've got single moms who want to work, who want to finish their education and things like that, but they don't have anyone to watch their kids that they can trust. They don't have a safe place for their children And so we have a a free daycare and a free preschool to try to provide dignity for these families and a safe place for these children so that parents can work and so that they can support their families well. There's a food desert in Pettigrew Heights. You might have seen that in the news lately. Uh, The grocery, Hy-Vee on uh, whatever street up there shut down and Kiwanis maybe shut down. And so now there is not a grocery store within a couple miles of Pettigrew Heights. And when people don't have reliable transportation, when the bus system is as difficult as it is here in Sioux Falls, that's a problem because now they can't go to a grocery store and get healthy and affordable food. They have to go to the gas station. And so you see kids eating donuts and drinking sodas for breakfast because there's nothing else that they can get their hands on and the kids are hungry and they had to walk there. And so we said, God... We want justice for these people. We want to see the oppressed set free. What can we do? And we've been able to partner up with uh, the Empower Campus here, and we're going to start placing grocery stores and food deserts here in Sioux Falls to make sure that people have access to healthy and affordable groceries so that their children can thrive. I do that because I love these people. I do that because God loves these people. And God says, what are you going to do for them if you love them? Are you just going to say, praying for you? Or are you going to get out there and try to see systems changed? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus promises you shall be filled. It's a promise. Seek after these things. And you shall be filled. Be passionate about righteousness and you shall be filled. But that shall word is a tough one. Because the day isn't here yet. And the journey is long. And there are days when instead of hunger and thirsting, I just feel numb. 
There are days when instead of hunger and thirsting, I just go through the routines. There are days when I fail. And shell seems like forever away. I get to go to Ethiopia three or four times a year, and I'm always thankful for the experience. Um, It's not always an easy trip, uh, but it's always a blessed trip. And this last one was especially sweet. Dusty talked about it a couple weeks ago that there was a baptism in Ethiopia uh, where over 100 people got baptized. Um, But to get to the baptism, they had to walk through a dry and weary land. Eastern Ethiopia is desert. And it hasn't rained in a very long time, and they're experiencing a drought. And so my Ethiopian brothers and sisters are hungering and thirsting for just water and food, much less righteousness. They're hungering and thirsting for water and food, but they wanted to get baptized. And there's only one body of water in the area that was deep enough for them to get baptized. And so from all over the region, these little churches came together to celebrate in that body of water. And that's about how deep it was. That's the deepest body of water we could find. And over 100 people got baptized. And it was amazing to see them sacrifice because they knew how important this moment was going to be. And they cheered and they clapped for each other and they celebrated and they worshiped God. And it was inspiring to me to see their passion. How hungry and thirsty, physically hungry and thirsty people We're so hungry and thirsty spiritually as well, and God was filling them up. They were being fed. We had the opportunity to physically feed them after uh, the event, but the thing that really, really got them excited was we were able to give them a Bible in their own language. Less than 30% of Ethiopians have a Bible in their own language, in their local dialect. And we were able to give each and every one of these new believers a Bible. And that Bible will hold a place of honor in their home. But it won't sit there and collect dust like a Bible might in our house. Every day, every evening, every morning, that Bible is going to be cracked open because they hunger and thirst for the things of God. They hunger and thirst for the Word of God and to grow in Him. And so that Bible will be precious to them, but that Bible will be used and passed down from generation to generation. And as I saw that, as I saw those brothers and sisters in Christ in their suffering, in their physical hunger and thirsting, set aside all the weariness and burdens of this world to honor God and to participate in the things of God, I felt something stir inside of me. And I was reminded of my first love. I was reminded of the passion that I'm called to have. I was reminded of the hunger and thirsting that I have. I have 15 Bibles probably. How often do I open any of them because I'm hungry for God, because I thirst and I know that he provides living water. And so I thank my brothers and sisters in Christ in Ethiopia. And I know that we we do some things for them Uh, But they do so, so much more for me. And so, as I watched them that day, I was reminded of a verse in Revelation 7. Revelation 7, 15 through 17 says this. 
They're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. As I read that, I was like, what a more perfect verse. As they walk through the desert and the sun scorches down on their head, as they hunger and thirst, they also know in the midst of that that there is hope and that there is a future and that they shall be filled and there shall be a day when the sun won't be down on them anymore and when they will be filled full of the things of God. There will be a day when we all, sit at the banquet feast together and share stories and celebrate and praise God for all the ways that he was faithful to us. And I know anytime I sit down with an Ethiopian and say, tell me about how God's been faithful to you, they can't stop talking about it. And when I sit down with the average American Christian and I say, tell me about the ways God's been faithful to you, sometimes it's hard to get an answer. So I'd say, church, why aren't we hungry? Why aren't we thirsty? Are we too distracted? Are we too filled up with other stuff, maybe? What are we to do? Because I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a good citizen of the kingdom. I want all these things that Jesus mentions in the Beatitudes, and yet I find a lot of them are really, really hard for me. How do I hunger and I thirst? How do I stir something up inside of me once again? Well, the nice thing is, asking the questions is step number one. Wanting it is step number one, because the Beatitude isn't, Be righteous and you'll be blessed. The beatitude is be hungry and thirsty. So do you want it this morning? And if you want it, what do you do as you wait for the shall be filled part? What do we do in the meantime? And it's not rocket science and you've heard it a million times in different sermons, but I'm not going to give you three new amazing ways to be a Christian this morning. I'm going to give you three ways that you've known all along and it's in the midst of the faithfulness of that that we eventually shall be filled. And so today, as we start to wrap up, here are these three things. They're alliteration, so that's at least fun for all of us so we can remember them. So I'm just do them all and then we'll talk about them. God's word, God's will, and God's work. If you ever wonder what pastors sit around and do all week, it's just come up with things like that. We're like, I need three W words, everybody, and we all get together, the 50 staff, and we figure it out. So, (laughs) need to meditate on God's word. And I mean read scripture, but more importantly, what I mean is the word made flesh who is Jesus Christ. The logos in John chapter one is how they talk about Jesus. Spend some time just thinking about Jesus, talking to him. Spend some time diving in to the Sermon on the Mount. And not in a way like I'm reading just to get done, but in a way like I need all the meat on the bone, God, because I'm hungry. 
spend time with God's word. And in doing so, you will, it will begin to become clear to you what is God's will. What does God want me to do? Which direction am I supposed to be heading? Where, where, God, where are you in this world? Because sometimes this world feels like there is nothing good in it. So God, I need you to show me what is your will and what is your way so I can join you in your work. Because it's in working, it's in loving well, it's in serving well, it's in helping to bring justice, it's in freeing the oppressed that you begin to get really excited. You begin to get really active. It's in going to Ethiopia that I get re-inspired and reinvigorated in my faith. And so if you want to go to Ethiopia with me, bring it on. We'll, we'll charter a plane. We can figure it out. If you want to go down to Pettigrew Heights with me, that's much more affordable and much easier. You can worship in Pettigrew Heights in multiple languages with people from all over the globe. We have tons of brothers and sisters in Christ who've immigrated here and now are a part of what we're doing down there. There's work to be done. So, I meditate on his word so that I can know his will, so I can get involved in his work. And I try to stay hungry. You know, the professional athletes, it's not that they just like working out more than other people. It's that they stayed hungry for it. And they showed up at the gym whenever they didn't feel like it at 5 a.m. And they ate the right things even when they wanted a pizza and they listened well, and they did all the things they had to do. If you've ever seen a Christian and you're like, man, that Christian is inspiring. Oh my gosh, I wish I could be like them. I tell you, they're not doing anything like crazy weird or special. They're just staying in God's word, seeking God's will, doing God's work. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you uh, for the Sermon on the Mount, God, and all the different ways that it turns our expectations and our world upside down. God, I pray specifically today, God, that you can keep us hungry for you, God. I thank you that this beatitude isn't just be righteous, God, because that one's impossible, but at least just be hungry. I think I can do that, but I still need your help. Holy Spirit, continue to move and stir amongst us, God. Keep us hungry and thirsty for the things of you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. There um, are about 50 different things out in the concourse right now, and so please don't run off today. Check out maybe some different ways that you can get involved in what's going on here at Central. Um, don't forget, church, we have a baptism service on August 14th. And I want us to get together and I want us to party and celebrate the lives that were changed. Uh, before you leave today, please drop off your prayer requests or your tithe checks in the boxes on the wall. Uh, we as a staff are deeply honored every time you share with us something that's going on in your life. Uh, and we pray over those uh, and we're, we, we, just, we love 
that we get to have that glimpse into what's going on with you. Even when it's hard, we want to be there to walk alongside you. If you'll stand with me, I just want to pray a little blessing over you before we go. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go in peace. Amen.